every day that I live, it's not about doing as little as possible. That's not a good day for me. If I did nothing, I kind of want to do the most of every day. The stories we tell ourselves as people, as teams, as organizations, you know, they often get in the way of the changes we want to make in the world. We actually need to propel our stories forward, not hold us back. This is Unstop the Story, where we're looking at how amazing people and companies are being resilient, flexible, brave, and daring in the face of an ever-changing landscape. And we'll talk about how you can do it too. Welcome to Unstop the Story with Unstoppable Tracy. So let's sort of learn to laugh when we haven't got a leg to stand on. Sometimes when we don't know the how, we choose not to carry on. And I wonder if you ever feel like you want to give up and embrace that possibility even when you don't know how. Having uncertainty is no excuse for not taking action. After eight beloved years at Air Canada, they outsourced HR. You know, and it was a great business decision. Air Canada was in the business of flying, not HR. So it is best to leverage efficiencies with those in the business of HR. Still, I loved my job at Air Canada. It was devastating. As I loved my colleagues, it felt like a family. And I'm still in contact with a whole bunch of my Air Canada family today. And and six months after that happened, I was hired at Shoppers Drug Mart, a national pharmaceutical company, kind of like a Walgreens in US or a Boots in the UK. Canada's is called Shoppers Drug Mart or PharmaPri in Montreal. And the new job six months later was 10 minutes from my home and another $20,000 a year. So it worked out. And I got another work family that I also loved. So, you know, it turned out I got what I needed, even though I didn't know at the time that I was leaving Air Canada or Shoppers. And six years later, Shoppers Drug Mart supported them through pharmaceutical reform and restructuring. My work was done again. And again, I was devastated because I loved all my coworkers. But as a firm believer on what you focus on grows, I was in the parking lot that day and I was immediately asking myself, okay, what's going to pick me up no matter what? And sailing's always my pick me up. And in Canada in October, there was no sailing of any kind in Toronto and no skiing yet either. So I searched where I might go and San Diego had a regatta, a sailing race, and I was still kind of a beginner racer at that point. And so I was just going to have fun instead of being heartbroken over the shoppers being done. And it was great. It was just sad because of the family co-worker part of it all. And so the same day I finished at Shoppers, in the parking lot of Shoppers, I spontaneously booked a flight and jumped on a plane to a yacht club in San Diego to focus on something positive. And upon arrival at the registration desk, she said, Oh, honey. We've been sold out for months. And so again, my heart dropped. But the man behind me in line, he had a change of plans. And he offered me his place and his boat. And his boat was a Liberty. And 
I'd been mostly sailing Martin 16s at that point, and if it meant I could sail, so be it. So off I was with this new kind of boat, Liberty, by somebody who I had no idea, but it worked out. And it was all very spontaneous. I didn't know on that Friday morning that on Friday night I was going to be getting myself in a San Diego race, you know, in some stranger's boat. And so while I'm on the water, this coach, Betsy Allison, she's a U.S. Paralympic coach. She was doing this training clinic over the weekend about race rules. So come Monday, I did surprisingly well. And I got a bullet and a bullet in the sailing world. That means a first in one of the races. And so U.S. Paralympic coach Betsy, she asked me, where are you from? And I said, oh, I'm Tracy from Toronto. And she dubbed me T-squared forevermore from then on. But she was disappointed. And I didn't know why she was disappointed, but she was disappointed because I told her I was from Toronto and I wasn't an American and so that I couldn't be recruited for her U.S. Paralympic team. But she was kind enough to tell me all about international Paralympic sailing. And so the San Diego Yacht Club, they were so wonderful. They had this big celebratory toast for me that night in honor of that big bullet. And there were people from Australia there and North American at this sailing regatta that I was just using as a stress reliever. So when it was time to go home, this devastating hurricane called Sandy hit. Hurricane Sandy on the flight home. And, you know, New York subway was flooded and homes in Rhode Island were washed away. But I was in the air and I had this scary life or death moment because of the hurricane that caused a whole lot of turbulence. And at that time, this life purpose crystallization came to me. If I lived it, I knew I had to be pursuing my dream of attending Paralympic trials. Well, Sunday night after being finished this fabulous job at Shoppers, which was right after eight years before that at Air Canada, I'm calling after this week of San Diego racing, uh, Danny McCoy and Rick Waters, both Canadians famous in the parasailing world. And they both told me in this really regretful voice tone that it was only going to happen under very rare circumstances. And that there was pretty much no way I'd need extensive training, extensive practice, a lot of money, a boat, a coach. And if I wanted to get to trials, I'd need to be trained by somebody like Magnus Ligidal, an Olympic gold medal winner. And I'd have to have my boat modified by the likes of a Gene Henkel or an Oren Beach, two very famous folks that a lot of our top performing Olympians all over North America and around the world internationally, they know these names of people that help modify your boats. And I'd need to move to Miami. You know, Toronto wasn't going to get me anywhere fast. I have to live where they all were living. And so the conversation, as far as they were concerned, ended that it was not going to happen. And there were massive barriers. Sound familiar? Massive barriers to money, to time, and people that they talked about, but that didn't deter me. And so I immediately got on Google and I searched for Magnus and started to sell my belongings online. And the news that I was taken off to live in Miami to train a week or so after finishing my job just before that did not go over well. My family, my friends, they all love me dearly. 
but they were not completely supportive. And I think it was out of fear for me, right? Like, so they were really, in fact, quite resistant, even angry that I was leaving, but all but one. And some of you know this Kathy Smart on a previous podcast who taught me to sail way back in the 80s, and she told me to go for it. So off I set alone on my journey without the support of loved ones. And if it didn't fit in my car, bed, wall unit, it didn't come with me. And a friend that I just met in San Diego heard what I was doing and flew down to meet me partway and on part of that drive and had been trying to make contact with Magnus every day for two weeks. And so the day before I arrived on the doorstep of his club, Team Paradise, he finally replied this message. He said, if you come, we got boats. So we arrived super late that night and we booked a cheap motel in this sketchy part of town. And I found Magnus the next day and he was busy and he didn't want any part of me, right? He was just doing his own focused, what he needed to do deliverable. And so the best way was to start washing a bowl with him to get time with him. So he had to pick up some sails. So I volunteered to drive him. And for the next three months, I was washing boats and running errands with my car and picking up lunch and doing invoices and fending off calls and doing emails. You know, I felt like this karate kid with wax on, wax off, and no karate, just chores. It was a lot of chores, no sailing. And I ended up, you know, living out of a car living on a boat, living on a balcony, and creating this opportunity to be coached by Magnus became my passion. And after three months of attaching myself to Magnus's hip, he finally let me sail a boat. And we sailed together and he loaned me boats. And from then on, in exchange for kind of working for him, Magnus really supported me. And Magnus moved me into the back of his girlfriend's yoga studio at the time. And he even built a boat for me. And even now, like in this podcast, you're going to hear, he's like this brother that I never had. And I will love Magnus for life now. He is in my life. And my journey with him ended up with lots of accolades. You know, Sailor of the Month in the U.S. Sailing, sponsored by Hobie in 2013 and the Penganagas Trophy for Sportsmanship in Chicago and the Larry Gadsby Award for Sportsmanship in the Rhode Island and so on and so on. In 2017, Robert W. Jackson, he is the founder essentially of Paralympic Sport in Canada. And I earned an award from Canadian Paralympic founder Robert W. Jackson Award named and for being a difference maker in this world. And, you know, another one of my hobbies, and many of you know, just recently, Canada Hall of Famer and 2021 Top Inspirational Leader by the International Association of Top Professionals. Like it's just carried on since meeting Magnus. And another one of my favorite hobbies received lots of recognition for is skiing. And I was humbled to be nominated most humbled. The best award of all is being nominated by your peers for a parasport in Merritt after getting a bronze medal in alpine downhill skiing in an event in 2010. And so my competitive spirit is strong. And my journey involved competing in able-bodied World Cup sailing regattas. And 
Competitions took me across North America and around the world as far as Australia. And I embarked on this aspiring Paralympic sailing campaign for the trials to be considered for 2016 Paralympic Games, Rio, Brazil. And because of tenacity, I also got to sail in 131 training camps and regattas between 2011 and 2015. And there were many crashes and a whole bunch of flooded boats and a lot of damages later, and I'm still sailing. And I received an Ontario card under the quest for the gold by the Ministry of Tourism, Culture and Sports in 2015. And I did sail my dream in the Paralympic trials under quest for the gold. And I recall, you know, and you recall from other podcasts that I was this person falling out of the boat before. And now, you know, instead of failing that first summer, I'm competing at International World Cup Regattas. And I was competing against able-bodied people, as well as people with disabilities, and male-dominated sport. Most of them big, blonde, Viking-like men with big, strong arms and strong legs. And here's little old me holding on my own on this starting line. And from day one, I had this deep, ingrained belief that I'm capable and exceed those uncertainties. And all of us can embrace possibility. Even if you don't know how, you jump in anyway and you earn that independence. But the funny thing is, you know, earning independence comes from rallying the support of many, many people. It was not something I did alone. And I encourage you to take those safe risks and live that life philosophy of how do you know unless you try. Every podcast, I share a bit of a coaching series takeaway, and and I help people reach their peak performance by eliminating their limiting beliefs from being the best version they can be. Does anyone know someone or seen someone with limiting beliefs or self-doubt? You know, have you got employees or kids in your life? You know, anyone experiencing a block or a barrier or a mindset clutter that you too want to clear out? You know, discover the best version of yourself, overcome that fear, reignite that passion, and find that inner drive inside yourself. FYI, your best is never good enough. Isn't it great to know that everybody's got problems? You know, the reality is not that you don't have problems. The reality is, is how you deal with it. And necessity is breeding invention. You know, so true in this pandemic right now. And so write down, right now, grab your pen. The coaching related exercise for this podcast is write down what is a perfect life. And then write down, why aren't you living your perfect life? Number two. And number three, write down, if I can do it, unstoppable Tracy, no arms, no legs, you can do it. What's your excuse? And allow a whole page for that. How are you going to make this happen? Well, my gold champion, now brother from another mother forevermore, Magnus Ligidal, an extraordinary gold Olympian, a man who took through hurricanes floods, a COVID pandemic. And he's a gold Olympian that coaches in sports and gets hired by top performers for 20 years. 2000, he was a gold Olympian. And up until 2020, 
He was still every year winning awards and being hired to be on people's boats by some very influential people that want him in their boat to win. But where he puts his passion is making a difference for others in this team paradise world, for veterans, for underserved communities, and for people with disabilities. And he supported me on my campaign. And my campaign moved from being for Tracy, Unstoppable Tracy, to instead supporting everyone else in the international world and the veterans and the underserved communities of children who are homeless or one parent or what's going on. And I'm so proud that Magnus is in my world. Please tune in for championship mindset of what it makes to be a champion on all senses of the world, a champion in your community and a champion gold medalist. And you will love to hear this extraordinary man and who he is that supported me on my journey after this break. Goodbye just for now. Tune in shortly. Tracy's going to be back in just a moment to share her conversation with Magnus. My name is Megan Doherty, and I've had the pleasure of working with Unstoppable Tracy to co-create Unstop the Story, which you're listening to now. One Stone Creative is a podcast and online course creation agency, and we love to help plan, build, and distribute podcasts that tell important stories while working towards key business objectives. We especially love working with authors like Unstoppable Tracy and have a special book-to-podcast program designed to help nonfiction authors transform their books into valuable multimedia podcasts. If you have a book or a story and you want to bring it to the world in a new format, find us at onestonecreative.net. That's O-N-E, stonecreative.net. Now, here are Tracy and Magnus. Welcome to Unstop the Story. I am Unstoppable Tracy with my favorite person on the entire planet. You all know that I love my mom and my family, but Magnus, Mag Daddy, he is the Mag brother I never had. Many people call him Mag the Motivator. He is an all-star in the National Sailing Hall of Fame, folks. And we were a weird, weird twosome on my life journey. You know, he was kind of like my Shrek movie. And I wish I could say I was the Fiona in his movie, but I was more like the donkey in his movie. You know, he is this incredible all-star for the village of Miami and international sailors around the world. And I'm the one that was always nattering in his ears, (laughs) you know, and uh, for others that might have seen the movie Moana, where this phenomenal sailor is just like lumberjacking at the front of the boat and the back of the boat and phenomenal in unbelievable, horrific storms and crises. And he just makes it look like he's breathing on a normal day. He is this star class Olympic champion. And together with Mark Reynolds, he competed in the 2000 Summer Olympics in Sydney, where they received a gold medal in the star class. And Mags currently runs the nonprofit organization Team Paradise. And it was founded in 2005 after winning the gold medal in Sydney, folks. Magnus most admirably felt the need to give back to our sailing community. And that's where I'm lucky enough to benefit. And Team Paradise, initially devoted to Paralympic sailing, 
is this unique non-for-profit sailing organization that provides sailing opportunities and education for everyone at all levels of ability, including our disabled and underserved communities and the U.S. veterans. And these are just a few of the highlights of Magnus's sailing career. So, and here's a few more, and it's by all means not all inclusive, but he was like on top of the gold medal in the star class in the Sydney Olympics in 2000, yes, but also star class world champion in 2000, Rolex Yachtman of the Year, three-time star North American champion, three-time star European champion, six or seven, or is it eight now, Magnus, with the Bacardi Cup star champion, founder and executive director of Team Paradise and U.S. Sailing's Gay S. Lynn Memorial Trophy, very honored. And Magnus is also, on top of being an Olympic gold medalist and world champion and dedicating 15 years of his professional life to providing opportunities and service to disabled sailors, sailors with disabilities around the world, you know, this sports club, Team Paradise, became a Paralympic certified sports club with the Olympic Sailing Center. And he initially was in a not-for-profit location, and now it was moved into this fancy, schwanking sports club. And the participants of your program have known podiums at the highest level of competition, including 2016, 2012, 2008. And then you also run these weekly veterans programs for folks that are recently injured, like less than six months even. So, you know, he's achieved so much in life, but what he will tell you and what he told me, and I know it's authentic. It's not some newspaper quote. I saw it. I lived it. I breathed it for four, five, six years with Magnus where he would tell you that none of all these medals compares to the sense of fulfillment that he receives since he began introducing sailors with disabilities and veterans to the sport of sailing. So holy cow, I am so excited. I've been kind of like donkey in the movie Shrek with Magnus and trying to get him on my podcast like a dog with a bone. Welcome, Magnus, my brother and father of sailing in my life. It's so phenomenal to see you after this 12 months of quarantine. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Tracy. Uh, thanks for all the kind words. I think you're exaggerating a little bit, but what? that's okay, too. <laughs> we all seek positive affirmation in our lifetime, and it's nice when other people recognize what you do. Even though that's not why we do it, we do it sort of because it's an inner calling and we choose to be in a certain way in life. This is my path. And actually, my path is after the Olympics that I, I wanted to do something where I didn't really have to think all that hard. You know, something that came natural to me. I believe in focus on your strength, not your weakness. So that sort of goes along the same way that this would be something that I could really help a lot of people and make a difference. It's also another thing that is important to me. Every day that I live, it's not about doing as little as possible. That's not a good day for me. If I did nothing, I kind of want to do the most of every day and, uh, you know, help people out because after all, that's how I got to where I am. Not really because of my own greatness as much as it is from these people, beginning with my family, my parents, that actually motivated me and facilitated me to, you know, they didn't have a lot of 
lot of money. They were simple people, but they facilitated my life as a sailor. Dad drove us around the country, me and my friends, and mom was always supportive. And uh, so that's kind of why I am the way I am, I guess. And, you know, I was there a few years, day and night, and, and you can hear how humble he is from this introduction. And I could see it like if we had to run into a grocery store, we'd be in three aisles and he would help at least six people in the grocery store. And he doesn't even notice how he's passing somebody an object or he's picking up something somebody dropped or he's filling the soul of the cashier who's feeling overwhelmed. And then you get out on the sidewalk and somebody's crossing the street and he, you know, adjusts a bag that's falling down or he says, well, here, I'm walking your way. Let me carry that as far as I'm going where you're going. Like this is who he is. And then in the sailing center runs this phenomenal program that's been like a massive journey of obstacles and roadblocks and barriers. But you have been unstoppable about continuing Team Paradise being the best it can be and not stopping. But also when there's random boats along the way of other sailors and somebody's at a crane and somebody's trying to lift a boat. And, and Magnus is just like every hour, there's a dozen more people that are on his walking path that end up. And he, he's about to probably humbly say, again, I'm exaggerating because you don't even notice how you touch every soul that just seems to be in your breathing circle. And you're focused. You don't want to have so many people pulling you left, right and center. You want to focus on your deliverable and yet you can't help but notice all the people around you that could be a bigger, better version of themselves with just cleaning a boat or pulling in a line or taking care of changing batteries before they die. Like, holy cow, Mags, you're so humble in your intro. I'm glad you honored your mom and dad there. That was beautiful. You know, the uh, next thing I want to say as far as helping others is like, uh, to me, it's all about creating good karma for yourself. Yeah. And again, I've been helped by so many people that I feel it comes natural to me, actually. It's not something that I'm trying hard to do. Yeah. But every now and then I do try because I realize that this is a heck of an opportunity to, to help somebody and make a big difference for somebody. I have many examples, but I can give you one example. Like maybe a year or two ago, there was this laser dad he came here at the sailing center and they were from out of town and they, they had flown in and they had a boat, but they needed a simple thing as a, if it was a bolt or not, but he needed it really bad. And so he approached me and asked me where the hardware store is. And, you know, I was busy. I was full on doing what I was going to do. And, and I said, told him, yeah, you go up the street here, there's Shell Lumber, or you can go to West Marine there over here and pointing him in, in a direction. Took a, step, a couple of steps away, turned around 180 degrees and said, well, you know, maybe I can help you. Why don't you just come with me here real quick? We walked over to the trailer. I opened up the door, walked in, and I don't know how I got so lucky, but like the first bolt that I picked up or not fit his need. And he was, yeah, that works. And he was like, you know, it, it took, let's say to exaggerate that it took me five minutes, but it didn't take that long. I made a difference for this guy. He could go about his business and make his life a little easier. And I feel that that's how all of a sudden there's helping hands coming out in front of me when I need them the most is because how I treat other people. You've lived and breathed that, certainly on my journey. So 
you do that even when people are not treating you that same way or there's some kind of boat crash or something happened and then you're overwhelmed. You have a gazillion things going on. And even in your life's journey of getting from Sweden to Canada to people underestimating you and telling you, no, you're not going to be probably in the Olympics. And here you are, you were. And people saying, I'm not sure that Team Paradise is going to get off the ground. And here it is. It is. And well, it's probably only ever be for one reason. And, and here it is for veterans and the community as well in the best facility in town, potentially. So the whole life, your personal life has had roadblocks. Is there a, a challenge or something you overcame, a past story maybe before the Olympics or whenever you'd like that you could share another story with everyone? Oh, I got a lot of stories to tell for sure, but could we just stick to helping others a little bit longer? Because yeah. part of my dilemma has been really that in being very helpful with other people, taking time to help people also takes the focus away from what you actually do. And I think that that was the case for me for some time because other people, the real focused people, they don't even turn around to say hello when they're on their stride. They just are focused on one thing and doing it right. So I have looked at that and sometimes I am like that now a little bit too. I realized it's sort of in an airplane when you got to put the oxygen on yourself first. Otherwise, you won't be able to help anybody. No. So I think life is like that. If you can make sure that you're on solid grounds, then you can help others. But if you're just going to walk around and help others, and then you're going to end up in the street corner, unfortunately. Yes. Yes. And I think I'm always saying hello to everybody and their brother. And focus was one of the skills that you really started on me early in the journey. So I think that, and a lot of people lose their business focus or their family focus because there are too many deliverables. So there's definitely a, an asset to focus. Yeah, think about it, you know, how little it is that, in my case, and I think in many people's case, how little it is that they actually figured out all by themselves. It is something, mostly it's something that we've heard from someone else, or we've learned it, we read it, we saw it, we, somebody te- taught us. Yeah. And those are the ones that should have the re- real credit for something. Other than that, we're your sort of messengers of a good idea or, or a good thought. So I like to be humble in that regard, you know, give credit when credit is due instead of sort of assuming the credit yourself just to yeah. look better for other people. Maybe it sounds like a conversation, diff- I mean, unbelievably humble. And to me, you are like a sailing Buddha. Like when you hear how humble you are and the way you are with others. I, I look like a Buddha. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. You're uh, incredible. You're a testimony to the Swedish Viking heritage. <laughs> Tall, blonde, and muscular. <laughs> you don't look like a Buddha, That's but you like pre- just your verbal is like a Buddha. <laughs> yeah. And he's funny too, by the way, folks. I haven't given him room so you can see his humor. But you can see there's focus, but his prioritization is exceptional and possibly why growth, 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 drive, drive, drive. And he has zero tolerance for unfair, for lazy, for shortcuts. And you are extraordinarily loyal. People must earn your trust and invest time, but you are unbelievably loyal. 
And so you've got these non-negotiables, right? There's zero tolerance for lazy or unfair, and you're unbelievably loyal. And so you go to the end of the moon, you wake up early on a Sunday to support me with a podcast, right? When you've got programs that are running all day today. So where does this high performance athlete mentality kind of influence your ability to keep Team Paradise running and and your setbacks and hurricanes and naysayers and COVID and all these things that are coming up? Well, I say you've got to be who you are, be true to yourself and strive to be the best version of yourself, so to speak. I'm not sure this answers your question, but I feel like when you meet people, a lot of times, like I'm cheerful of nature. I do believe in laughter. Because yes. that is like comes from the yoga and your breath and being able to work your your body in a and stay in a positive frame of mind. Laughter is very important to you. But you can't really laugh about everything. And you have to remember when you meet people that you don't know especially because you can read the ones you know. You see if they're sad or what state they're in, and then you back off. With people you don't really know, sometimes you got to be a little careful. You don't know. They may do something really stupid or something that, you know, wasn't good, but they had no no foul intent. No. And you don't know what they're going through. They can be going through all trauma in the world. You just don't see it on the outside. So now you're being really hard against somebody that you should actually say, can I help you, you know? And you don't know this, so you have to sometimes step back and back off and let people be a little crazy around you because I've done, at the hoist down here, for instance, there are occasionally, actually frequently, people that come put boats in the water. I can tell that they don't know what they're doing. Yeah, They just don't know. But instead of sort of giving them a hard time or teaching somebody, you, you just sort of, understand that I do this for a long time on a daily basis. I mean, I, I say for about 155, 160 days a year. Yeah. I've done this for, I don't know how long, but for at least for the past 20 years. Yes. And before that, unfortunately. <laughs> Which got you I to mean, the Olympics. I said unfortunately because that means I'm old and I've been out on the sailing and I have a bad neck and so forth. But you got to allow people to learn without sort of criticizing them instead backing off. This one fellow, he was putting in his boat. It was really, he putting it in backwards. And I, I stood and I looked and I figured, this guy is about my age. He looked like a nice man. I don't think I should tell him what to do here. He'd be like a, you know, some smart guy come up and say, no, you got to do it this way. I waited and then he put the boat in. <laughs> it'll work and I stood there and I said that was awesome you really taught me something and he looks up at me what and I said well you proved to me that you could actually put the boat in that way because <laughs> we all we all turn the boat around and keep it 90 degrees to the crane arm and we push it out that was great well done now he has started to ask me about stuff and then I don't mind telling but I don't really want to too much go up and just tell people what to do. I don't think that that's right. Wow, that's beautiful. And I know you weren't joking, but I could just imagine, you know, there's another way to put this boat in. And uh, did this man have any idea who you were as a sailing legend? 
It didn't then, but eventually yeah. I figured it out. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's beautiful, Max. I think I just learned something too. I, I feel like you're kind of like you know the movie Karate Kid, the wax on and the wax off, and people don't don't see or know why he is not telling him. And it turns out this guy is learning his karate moves along the way. The name's escaping me right now. The the karate master. Right. Of- but yeah, but you know, I, I think your experience comes with age. And, you know, when you're young, you, you have the agility and you, in many cases, you're, you have the youth, you have the enthusiasm you have the, the good brain to learn, retain information. You get older, it starts hurting a little bit everywhere, but you've got this very valuable resources, which is experience. And so you use your experience and not so much. You use what you got and you try with it you don't have. You tend to put that off and focus on, you know, I can focus on my experience, really. Yes. So uh, that's a good thing. We're moving forward in the conversation, but I wondered if, if you would share with folks, you know, how come you've got all these gold Olympic potentials around you and all these young up-and-comers, as you say, the enthusiastic beginners that are out there, that you jumped into the team paradise world? How come you chose to go for that? What did you see, your experience, or what was sort of some of the catalyst stories? Well, in Sydney, for one, Sailing for the first time was a, I forgot what the exact term is, but it was a show sport, sport, something that they tried out to see if this could fit within the Olympic arena, so to speak, or the Paralympic arena. So that was there for the first time. And I remember thinking that that was pretty cool. We went to the White House that December, or if it was November, maybe it was, both Olympians and Paralympians were invited, so I get to see and hang out with them, some of them very closely. I thought that that was the category that I would like to help, because when you think about it, there's a lot of people with my skill, and there's a lot of people with more skill than I have. So I'm just one little player amongst many, seriously. Nobody is exactly like me, but I'm not exactly like anyone else either. So. Yeah. It's, uh, let me see if I can stay on my thread here. <laughs> That's important. But, yeah, so I just felt like that category is good to help the people with disabilities, people with challenges, and that in the other world, in the Olympic sailing world, and there is a lot of people who are willing to step up and help. There's yeah. usually more money in that. People, yeah. you know, they're affluent and they, they can hire coaches and they, they can run around and do things and, and make things happen on their own. They don't need somebody to help put their boat in the water necessarily versus a disabled individual may need all the darn help they can get and even need help to crane them into the boat. So I feel like I would not be competing against anyone because at the time there weren't a lot of people like myself. There was a, maybe half a handful of people that sort of did what I did. Yep. And that year it was a demo sport. Yeah, demo sport is what they, what I was looking at. So I just thought that it was really cool. And I knew we were going to be a Paralympic in, in 04 for the first time. And then in 08 and then 12. And then, of course, the final time was in 16. But one incident that we had in, uh, in Kiel, Germany, where I went many, many times to race, that's sort of on the Baltics, it's, in, it's located in North 
Germany. And yeah, I went to school nearby in the 10th grade. Fantastic place. This is where the 1972 Olympics, it was built for the 72 Munich Olympic Games. And, but the sailing was taking place in Schiltzee outside Kiel. As I was there, I remember, yeah, you have a fellow Canadian named Danny McCoy was there. Yeah. He was out sailing. And at the end of the regatta, you know, they don't have that many cranes. And, and there was a long lineup to, to get in, to get used to the crane. And, and Danny's just sitting down there and nobody. So I just pulled him in front of everybody. I said, this guy's going to come out before you. And that was, I got resistance from some. I, I mean, no one mentioned, if then we don't, we'd be better off. But I had to kind of be firm with some people that you, how could you not see that this guy, you guys can wait until later. You can wait for five more minutes and I'm going to get this guy out of the water and you can go about your day and start running around the block if you want. But so I felt like I could do a lot of good work like that, help people out that I was a voice. I was sort of impactful. Yeah, that's how it all came about. Well, yeah. And you know, like what I love about you is that you were a voice and you got Danny at the front of the camp, but that I also know in that story that people were bulldozing, like it was his turn even, and people were using their yeah, body ways yeah. to jump him, to jump their turn in the line. And and you were a voice, but you were a voice so that Danny had a voice. Yeah. And not that you take over, but you just bring in the voice of all. And you're still you know, the cream of the crop. And sometimes people think, yes, it's a goodwill to make a difference for people with disabilities. But Danny is a smart guy and you are an extraordinary leader and you still provide support in corporate leadership, team builders, and you still support and get hired. Well, and up until very recently hired to be on award-winning boats, they bring you in as crew because they want to win. So you're in this high-performance, able-bodied world, as well as high-performance and a stand for people with disabilities. And I can't believe our time has run out, but I wonder, as part of our closing up of bits, for success for others. So some people are sailors, some people are corporations, some people are entrepreneurs, some people are athletes, some people run not-for-profits. It's a real gamut of listeners today. But what would you say are a closing story or closing tips that drive success? How, how can they championship? How can they emulate your championship behavior? Well, yeah, it's a very good question, Tracy. I recently got a PowerPoint presentation from a Navy SEAL that had sold his company for a lot of money. And he said, you take this PowerPoint presentation, Magnus, and you just personalize it and put your name and your pictures in place of mine and your story in place of mine. So I think that that is something, but don't just copy me. Focus on your strength, what you're good at, that it makes sense for you. It could be quite different from how I live my life. But I think that the, the, the common part is to be enthusiastic and think about your karma. Try to do something to help others every day. Be true to yourself. Realize that when you're you're dead and gone, there ain't going to be too many people missing you, and that's how it works, unfortunately. And that's kind of I feel the same for myself. 
Well, I know I'm going to be missing you, but that's going to be a long, long time. (laughs) It's going to be a long, long time. That's beautiful, Magnus. So Magnus, you have this magnificent PowerPoint. You focus on being a phenomenal sailor and program runner, and you get the high performance and PowerPoints from the Navy SEAL. So we need to focus on if we are looking for championship behavior and we want to be inspired by your talk, or we want to donate to your program, or we want to come to Miami and sail in your program, how do people find you? Where are they going to look out for and support you and put likes? We're teamparadise.org. You look up sailing in Miami and we we're bound to come up. We're a sailing school. We're an accredited sailing school. We're an accredited sailing center. And we're also Siebel Sailors Program. And these are three programs all under U.S. Sailing, which is our national governing body. So we feel like our partners are is, uh, like as solid as a rock. Yeah. Yes. So teamparadise.org. And I'm going to put your links in the notes for the podcast. And if anybody wants to hear Magnus speak or donate or find them when they're in Miami, be a volunteer and support their program somehow, some way. As you can hear, every little bit helps. Who'd have thought that a PowerPoint structure would support, right? So everything helps in some way or another, but certainly dollars help the most Yes, by all means. So reach out. And if you can't find them for any reason, you know, I will help you find them. Teamparadise.org, O-R-G. Magnus, I am over the moon to share you with the world, my phenomenal brother from another mother after all this time. I'm forever indebted. I mean, not only did you support me in getting to trials for London and trials for Rio it was the bigger journey of allowing me to be part of your veterans program and your community programs. And, and you just spent endless hours, all-nighters, folks, in making and inventing adaptions for my boat from the good of his heart without any money. It was a exchange of labor on my part, but it did nowhere near match the thousands and thousands of hours he put into me and my journey and people around me's journey. Patrick from, where's Patrick from? Is Patrick from Norway? No, he's from Sweden. Oh, he's Sweden like you. Yeah. And Germany and Norway from Bjornar and oh my gosh, there's so many names from so many countries. Right. Thank you. On behalf of international sailors with disabilities everywhere and not-for-profit programs all over the U.S., you are an extraordinary soul and a magical man. I feel so blessed that our lives are in each other's journey. Thank you for having me. Hmm. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you. Take care, everyone. Be sure to listen in and be sure to find teamparadise.org. Bye for now. Unstop your story with Unstoppable Tracy and Magnus Ligidal. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the show? I'd love if you could share it with someone you think will find it valuable or inspiring. And don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to see a live and unedited version of this full interview, you can. Subscribe for all access at unstoppabletracy.com slash interviews, and you'll gain instant access to the whole catalog for free.